everybody and welcome to another edition of the EPL weekly podcast on the World Football Index. We've been doing our rounds of the clubs and we're going to continue that uh, with a little bit of a different spin on it today in the form of Crystal Palace with Greg Lee. Uh, Greg, I haven't spoke to you in ages. Have you had a good summer? Do you get your head shard? Yeah, good summer. Thanks, Dave. It has been a while. Um, back now, back into the swing of things, though, and kind of looking forward to the season. But my, my optimism was slightly dampened by the weekend's result. But yeah, good to be back and good to be back on the show. Well, listen, before we get into to, to the disappointments of the weekend, uh, you know, I think it'd be nice to sort of take a bit of a look at what's happened, basically, with Palace since the last time we spoke. Um, tell us what's been happening over the summer, Greg. Quite a lot, really. Um, Sam Allardyce finished last season as manager and everyone really expected him to stay for a couple of years, put the building blocks in place to help Palace kind of consolidate in the top flight, which, although they've stayed up and this is now their fifth season in a row in the Premier League, it's not always been as comfortable as people would have liked. There's often been a relegation battle, which they've pulled away from in the final weeks, but they've not yet really had a campaign where they're not worried by the bottom three at all. So, I think Sam Allardyce kind of guarantees that. So when he left, it, it did come as a slight worry for fans, I think, because you're back to square one again. On the flip side, though, it gave the club a chance to appoint a manager in the summer, which is something that the current um, ownership with Steve Parrish at the head of it haven't really been able to do. I think their last time, the last time they appointed a manager in the summer was, was basically their first appointment in 2010. And since then, it's always been reacting to surprise resignations or sackings that come midway through the season. So it did give the club a chance to to look beyond kind of the immediate future and think about what they want in the long term for, for Palace as a whole. And after a very lengthy process, which frustrated some of the fans, that the amount of time it took, Frank de Boer was, was appointed uh, manager and kind of given given the, a remit to, to not just keep the club up and, and kind of get a mid-table finish would be the aim, but also to put some longer-term blocks in place, the foundations to to maybe slightly change the style of play away from the counter-attacking approach that Palace have been synonymous with in, in the Premier League and kind of get something a bit more what the club would call sustainable, I think, in terms of or maybe dominating games a bit more and, and not relying so much on kind of 30% possession and, and quick counter-attacks to, to break down teams, which has been really successful. So that has been met with a bit of resistance, the need to kind of overhaul that. But I think it's something that the chairman, Steve Parrish, really wants to do. He tried to do it with Alan Pardew a bit and it backfired really. But the, the appointment of De Boer, I think, was was big in the sense it did signal this change of direction. Um, but as we found at the weekend, it, it will take time to get that approach across because this squad has been drilled for a while into playing a certain way and to change that, there will be teething problems. But yeah, a summer of change for Palace, as it often is. And generally, at least before the weekend, there was pretty pretty much kind of unanimous view of optimism around the appointment and the approach going forward. Obviously, you know, I would imagine De Boer will maybe have a, a different playing style um, than his predecessors. As you say, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a progressive um, move to bring him in, I feel. How has it been received there? And, and maybe as a secondary question as well, Greg, you know, how much of the personnel do you, th- do you feel that you already have will, will actually fit the ideology that he may bring in? I think it's maybe a reflection of, of football fans in general, not just Palace fans, but as I say, before the game on, on Saturday, it was very optimistic. I think a lot of people understood the rationale behind kind of implementing this change because maybe that counter-attacking style had run its course and, and the more you develop and if you want to sign 
more established kind of international players as Palace obviously do in any Premier League club does. You kind of maybe need to move away from that. That was a thinking anyway. And I think a lot of people, the fans bought into that. Um, it doesn't take long, as, as I'm sure you know, and, and everyone listening to this knows for for fans to kind of question that, even if it was their position beforehand. And such a convincing win for Huddersfield at the weekend has led to people kind of saying, oh, this can't work at, at Palace or this style can't really work in the Premier League as a whole. Um, and a lot of that is down to the fact that some of the players there maybe aren't suited to, to that style because it's not just Sam Allardyce last season who played that counter-attacking approach. It was Palace's success, even even way back to the Championship, was basically built on the same principles. So the club really has, for for basically the length of time that every player, every outfield player currently at the club has been there, that they've had a different approach to the one that De Boer is looking to implement now. So that will cause problems in terms of adapting. But if you looked at the team that started at the weekend, I don't think you can say there was too many players who were just unable to perform in this particular way because there were new signings in there. Uh, two, two of the three centre-backs are new signings. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek in midfield was obviously not here last season. And the likes of Wilfred Zaha and that you think is good enough to, to perform in any system really at, at this level. So, yeah, I think there is there is an element of a couple of players uh, at the weekend. Joel Ward at right wing back clearly doesn't really fit that role, which involves a lot more attacking. Um, but I think with any manager, whether the system and the style is changing drastically or not, I think there is a need to have two, three transfer windows to fully get the squad in shape for the way you want to play. So this is nothing kind of rare and exclusive to Palace here. But I think the problem is that the, the style before did bring success, relative success, but but establishing Palace in the Premier League for five years in a row is quite an achievement for the club, given their recent history. So to kind of rip that up and try and overhaul the the entire playing style, I think that is what will cause a bit of resistance, both on the terraces and within the squad. But if Palace believe, as they do, that De Boer is, is the man for the job at the moment and to implement those longer-term foundations, then they've just got to stick with it and, and get over the teething problems that may, may come. And you know, you obviously say you know Huddersfield promoted side, uh, dreamland, go to Palace, win three 0 opening day of the season. But let's, let's let's put it into perspective. It is the opening day of the season, and you know, as always, they throw up sort of maybe results that will not be uh, sustainable through, throughout uh, thirty eight games. You know what I mean, Greg? Um, yeah. How much of a blow is that really to Palace? You know, like uh, there's a few teams this weekend that think will have a, had their sort of maybe their confidence dented but uh, you know it's a long season uh, do you see the signs are there that, that things will be okay I think so in the end yeah what that translates to in terms of league position I'm not sure because obviously the the top seven are pretty locked in and then you're going to do well as Palace to to get the best of the rest in eighth place really so it could still be a, a lower lower half finish is survival still the the key word is is the 40 points still the the, the big thing for palace or do you think with this appointment maybe that that you know the, the the bar's been raised a little bit yeah i think so i think if you ask fans or the chairman that they will pay lip service to the idea of oh 40 points is the target we need to just stay up and that definitely is true at the same time, if Palace scraped to 40 points, finished 17th and maybe avoided relegation by a single point or something like that, I think fans would look back at this season as, as a step backwards, really, because 
the league positions in recent years, although there have been battles with relegation, they've never Palace never really finished kind of on the cusp like that. So I think people would see that as a disappointment, rightly or wrongly. Um, in terms of this game in particular, I actually think it was one of the worst games Palace could have got just because the expectation was on them. Huddersfield, the way they play is is really, I think I think Huddersfield again are kind of maybe be in the top six in the next few weeks just because they've got some decent fixtures because they rely so much on their energy and their dynamism and their fitness at the moment will be so high that pressing game I think that really could do well for them in the opening weeks of the season so I think to face a team like that at home where Palace have been relatively weak to be honest in recent seasons their home record has not been good at all I think this was actually one of the worst fixtures they could have got I would have probably preferred Palace to have played a team where nothing was expected and then if you do have those problems it's not maybe a disaster to lose uh, to lose that game in the manner they did obviously it's not a disaster in the sense that one game it's only one game and there's plenty of time to to put that right and I think the team will get better as they learn the methods and it is still early days but a lot of fans have reacted as I said a bit more kind of I, I, I would think it's a bit knee-jerk but there have been claims that, that maybe this style can't work I think You've got to give it a lot longer before you make that judgment. But yeah, there definitely definitely is work to do um, in terms of getting the squad ready because in any league, but in the Premier League, especially with, with the level of competition throughout that Palace will face, there's not going to be time to bed that in. Obviously, in Holland, De Boer was manager of, of a club who are expected to win every week, but they maybe could afford a bit more kind of time to, to implement stuff because they probably had the individuals to 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 go over kind of a couple of weeks of of kind of getting into De Boer as the new manager. They had that style in place before anyway. This is much different because you're implementing a total change and that will take time. So that the worry would be if Palace don't pick up points and continue to adapt, it's all very well saying. Obviously, there will be teething problems, but you do need to get points as well. So they need to find a way to balance the two and maybe not try to change too much too quickly. But that's the way it seems to be going. And De Boer seems to have the backing of the board to do that. So I think, as I said, you've just got to give him time, give him a chance to do what he wants to do and hope that over time it is still the best thing for the club in the long term as well as the short term. So you were there at the weekend, Greg. You know, in your opinion, you, know, you, you mentioned a very fit Huddersfield side. Where did it all go wrong for Palace? It's interesting because if you look at maybe the chances, you compare the chances throughout the game, you'd think maybe a draw would have been the fair result because Palace did create some good chances, but... But at the ground and when you're watching the game live, it really didn't feel like that at all. It felt more like Huddersfield were, were dominant and played the game very well. They kind of knew when to sit back, knew when to push forward. They, they were clinical, which Palace weren't, of course. I think the problems for Palace were, were <laughs> all over, really, in a sense, because Huddersfield, as I said, the fitness and that, they really got men around the ball really quickly, which Palace couldn't deal with, that kind of being pressed every, every second when you get the ball they found that hard to live with and that weren't clinical enough going forward that Zahar particularly was was wasteful with a couple of opportunities and he didn't shoot on on a couple of times so they don't even go down those kind of shots so it might not make highlight reels or anything but having seen the game there were a few instances where Palace could have made a lot better of the opportunities and the spaces they got into and at the other end a few defensive mishaps really there was um, even apart from the goals there was a one-on-one that was given up uh, after a poor back pass by Strotdan, which I think the fans do have a role to play at Sellers Park in this because when it wasn't working um, and De Boer has obviously encouraged Palace to play around at the back and build from the back, 
when Palace were 2 0 down, that there were quickly groans if the ball went backwards and possession was recycled because the fans wanted the team to go forward, try and get back in the game, which is understandable. But I think with with that chance that I mentioned, what we saw was Scott Dan basically hesitating to play the simple ball back to the goalkeeper, which was basically the only option at that time. And I think it shows that, that the fans need to buy into the whole thing and be a bit more patient because that can influence proceedings on the pitch. Um, there weren't really many positives for Palace apart from Loftus-Cheek, who I mentioned earlier. He was really good, uh, particularly when he played in the centre in the second half. So that's maybe one slight kind of ray of sunshine in that in that game. But apart from that, there wasn't much to, to kind of hold on to it and think as a real positive going forward. So a lot of improvement needed and Huddersfield were, were pretty much dominant throughout that game. They held Palace at arm's length in the second half and they did what they had to do and fully deserve the three points. No, and they can't really argue with that. So, you know, casting your mind for it, we've got possibly another two weeks of this transfer window left. Greg, do you foresee De Boer making any moves or do you think you're set? What do you need even at the moment, in your opinion, you're watching them? Where do you think are areas that he may need cover or strengthening? Well, one thing he got a bit of criticism for at the weekend, which was justified, I think, at right wing back, where, as I said, Joel Ward played, who's who's a right back by trade and he's a solid, dependable right back, but he, he's not someone who gets forward and can really provide that attacking width. So he really struggled in that role and the ball was criticised for that because Andros Townsend had been playing in that role throughout pre-season and then suddenly kind of you're putting Joel Ward in there. I'm not sure whether Townsend was carrying a knock, but it did seem strange to plan in pre-season for a certain way and players in certain roles and then to change that when the first competitive game comes around. So I'm sure Townsend is is not really a, a long-term option. I don't think as a right wing back. So I'd be really surprised if someone wasn't brought in to fill that role. I think um, up front as well, Christian Benteke, there's no real backup to him at the moment. Uh, Connor Wickham's out injured until probably the new year with a serious knee injury. So the rehabilitation from that and getting back to match fitness will put him out for maybe the bulk of this season as well. The final few months might be, or he might be all right for that, but I don't think you can rely on him as a backup, both in terms of injuries to Benteke, but also if you just need to change it, if a certain approach isn't working, Benteke obviously offers a real threat in the air and is a big, strong striker, but I think you need a plan B. Palace don't really have that at the moment, so a backup striker is definitely a must as well. And I think even like another centre back would wouldn't go amiss. They have signed two on loan, uh, one on loan. Sorry, um, Tim Fosumensa and Jairo Riedeveld has been signed permanently for my apps. But I think one more at the back there wouldn't go amiss in terms of adding that depth. Obviously, if you're playing three centre backs as your starting system, you probably need a bit more depth in that area than you would if you're only starting two each week. So those are the key areas I think. But I think the only area that you could say is fully stopped and, and is definitely not in need of a improvement is the centre of midfield. So anything else um, around that wouldn't wouldn't be uh, turned away at all by Palace fans. Oh, and particularly in goal, actually, that's probably the pressing area. I don't know how I left that one off. A new goalkeeper will definitely be needed. So there definitely is work to do in the final few weeks. And it's just a shame they haven't been able to get some of those deals done already because I think Huddersfield showed the benefits at the weekend of of getting your business done early as they did. I think all their signings were, were completed by mid-July. So they've had almost a month before the whole, before the start of the season to to learn the manager's methods, gel together, play friendlies with each other. And I think we saw the benefits of that at the weekend. So Palace is going to have to be a case of better late than never really in the window, but definitely a few things to work on going forward if this is to be a successful season. 
you know, are you linked to anybody uh, at the moment that, that, that quite strongly? Are there any rumours flo- floating about or along those signings that you may need? Probably not as strongly as I would like and fans would like because the, there have been names mentioned throughout the summer, but uh, thinking like Adrian, the West Ham goalkeeper, was mentioned quite strongly, but that one's gone quite quiet now. And West Ham, they brought Joe Hart, but they still need a backup goalkeeper, so they're not going to want to let him go without a replacement themselves. Um, I think the striker one is is slightly difficult because it's maybe a problem that, that a club like Tottenham have had with, with signing players because in that particular position for Palace, it's pretty likely that Christian Benzegui, when he's fit, he'll start. So you're, you're going to have to persuade someone to, to come in and, and be happy and content with, with a backup role, which that kind of rules out some players for a start. So maybe you're looking at a younger player or someone who's who's willing to come to the Premier League just because of the the Leeds prestige um, and willing to sit on the bench for most of the season. So that could be a difficult one as well. Um, I haven't heard the latest names, to be honest. I I'm one of these people who prefers to wait until it's done rather than, than get through all the, get disappointed You're when the, when the targets then. don't come through. <laughs> you don't get involved. Yeah, in I, I've learned emotion. from experience there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I've been burned before, so... But yeah, I think they do need to step it up and it's difficult now because Dabur won't be the only one in charge of recruitment, but... Lots of the signings so far have definitely had his stamp on them. If you look at the Dutch players that have come in, for example, he's worked with Riedeveld before, Fosu Mensa, Loftus-Cheek, he hasn't worked with, but I'm sure he had a strong input in that. So if you're relying on the manager to, to have a, a big role in recruitment while he's also preparing the squad for, for competitive games as the club are now, then it's a bit of a, a bit of a shame, as I said before, that they couldn't get these deals done. But obviously these things happen and, Palace aren't a big enough club to be able to kind of dictate how the transfer market goes. So they're probably relying on on other people making moves as well and hoping those dominoes fall into place. But I think a right wing back, a, a goalkeeper and a striker by the end of the window, if they get that done, then then that would be probably a, a good summer of business. And hopefully from that point on, De Boer will be able to to really choose that, that starting 11, that first choice 11 and work with them and kind of get his methods across. And hopefully from that point on, as time goes on, Palace will will reap the rewards on the pitch, but yeah, still a lot, still a lot of work to do. Indeed. Well, listen, I'm going to put you on the spot, uh, as I do with everybody <laughs> that I've done these with, Greg. Where where do you think you'll end up this season? What what constitutes success, and and what are your fears, maybe? I think success would would be a, a mid table finish, um, one where relegation has been basically avoided for the whole season. Because if you look at the the headline lead positions in recent years. You would think Palace have been pretty comfortable. It's kind of been 10th, 9th, uh, 10th, 11th, 14th, something like that. But those seasons have been fraught with fraught with danger at times. So I think staying clear of that would be a successful season, maybe a run in one of the Cups as well. I think Palace probably will manage that. I still think bottom half finish, I, I would say probably around 13th for this season. And I think as long as there were signs that the club were moving in the right direction, there's been talk of young players being used a lot more this season, which we haven't seen in the Premier League yet. So if you kind of blood a couple of academy youngsters, you finish safely clear of the drop, you maybe go into the latter rounds of one of the cup competitions. I think that would be a really good season for year one. And then you would going to look to push on next season. But I think we have to remember that, as, as I said previously, it's the, the top seven are, are not going to be caught really by, by Palace, I don't think. You've got clubs like Leicester and Southampton who are definitely ahead of Palace at the moment with the the players they've got. And Southampton, obviously, was such a well-run club. So I think if you put them where maybe you think they'll finish in the top half, that that really 
does leave not many places left in that top path, only the one. So yeah, I think I think a lower mid table finish would be will be fine as long as it's not been kind of one of those where it's rescued by three wins right at the end of the season with a new manager coming in. I think everyone wants to avoid that this season and just have a, a nice quiet time. Well, I'm just hoping that uh, De Boer makes you play football because <laughs> whenever you whenever, when he play, it'll be a better it'll be a better spectacle. <laughs> it might be easier. It might be easier on my old heart. <laughs> One thing as well, which probably worth mentioning, the fixture list has been kind in the sense that it's a trip to Anfield next weekend, which obviously has brought great success for Palace in recent years. So I'm sure that'll sort everything out. And you always seem to pick us just in our, in our moment <laughs> of crisis. <laughs> it has to be said. But, Craig, listen, thank you so much uh, for being on, as always. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you throughout the season. I wish Palace all the best for the season after next weekend. Uh, where can we find you, and uh, what are you doing at the minute? Feel free to plug away. Um, I'm on Twitter at GregLeeFootball. Um, I've got a few articles up this week, I think, for various sites. I've just been writing one today about Tottenham and Wembley ahead of their big game against Chelsea at the weekend. So, yeah, I'll post that on Twitter when it's out and you can follow me there. Listen, that's fantastic. Uh, From our own point of view, all our pods are back this week. EPL's back and we'll we'll have a couple of those out. Uh, As I say, hopefully we'll have a new Russian pod. Uh, It'll be an In My Life we're recording today. We're recording a Copcast today. Very, very busy few days. So there'll be lots of pods coming out after this one. Uh, Other than that, just one last thanks to Greg. uh, One last thanks to the listener. And until the next one, it's goodbye.